Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, this special edition of the March Madness Just Press Play podcast is brought to you from our friends at MyBookie. They're trying to help you win big this NCAA tournament. And right now, MyBookie is offering anybody who's a listener of the JPP pod a 50% deposit bonus. All you have to do is make sure you put in the promo code JPP when you deposit to activate that offer. This podcast is also brought to you by our friends over at TickSplits. TickSplits is different than some of those other sites. The prices that you see is the price you pay. No extra fees, no unexplained services. And if you're a listener of this podcast, all you have to do is put in the promo code armchair and get 5% discount off at checkout of the total ticket purchase. Just head on over to TIXBLITZ.com and get your tickets to one of the opening rounds of March Madness. And last but not least, this podcast is also brought to you by the Just Press Play Bracket Challenge. That's right, we're back again this year. You can enter your bracket in on our website, that's JustPressPlayPod.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter where we will post out the link. On the website, it's at the top of the page. You'll just click on Bracket Challenge and stick in your bracket there. And if you have the top bracket... We'll have a prize for you, and you'll have the chance to come on the podcast and talk about how you are much smarter than the guys, which, in all honesty, you probably are. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk some. Let's talk some March Madness, baby. Truth, hit the beat. Alright, here we are, another edition of the JPP Pod, and we're we're a little short. We're 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 short manned. Uh, LJ's been having a it. LJ's going through a hell of a week. Nothing bad, just just a busy ass week for OL. Boy, be so working. It's just me and pops here. Yeah, boys, just boy, be he's working, just grinding, be grinding. That's right. So for this week, it's the the opening week of March Madness, and me and pops are here to to talk. And and pops, it's a good time to have you on because I believe. In, in the words of the great lift, this is the best time in sports, correct? I think this is the best sporting event that occurs during the calendar year, yes. So it's just the, the best month. It's the best month of sports, no doubt. And what's great about it is there's not just, you know, the Super Bowl Sunday is great, and the NBA Finals, you could say, is real. you could like that, or you could like the World Series and, and all this stuff. But March Madness is a, a – three-week bender of just college basketball games. It's just great. It is. I love it. The weather's getting better outside. That's probably the only dilemma is the weather starts getting better, you know, and I want to go outside, but I want to stay in and watch basketball. Right. So we're going to – we're recording this as of Tuesday night. By the time you're listening to this, spring has either started today because I think spring starts on Wednesday. And so I do get you. That's another reason why it's also awesome, though, is because you look out, the sun's out. You're not looking out and seeing rain and nasty weather. You're looking out and seeing sun. And as Dad likes, you know, it's going to be sun till what? It's going to be bright outside till eight p.m. About eight. I know yeah. that just get 
That just gets you giddy inside. Gets me wiggling. <laughs> but, you know, the only person who's probably happier than us that March Madness is here is uh, is Mike Trout for the Angels. And it's not because March Madness. It's because, I don't know if you saw this, him and the Angels are finalizing a 12-year, $430 million contract. What's the math on that? (laughs) What is that a year? Jeez. That's a lot. I don't even know. That's just a lot. 430. Hang on. I'm going to do this. 430 divided by 12. That's 35.8 million a year. My God. You know, hmm. that's a lot of money as in simple terms. Wow. Good for Mike Trout. Yeah, I, I would say he's, he's pretty happy right about now. And you know, if I'm, it, there was a little bit of talk, you know, should Kyler Murray be thinking it over again? Because, <laughs> you know, we, we had this discussion. He's going to the draft. But he ain't Mike Trout. That's the he's thing. He's not no way Mike go. Trout. What did, what did Bryce Harper, what, what was his deal? Do you recall? Was it close to that? Uh, it, three, I think it was about $100 million less, maybe. Yeah, but it was for less years. I just wonder if it was – I don't know why. I always think of how much you're going to get per year when really it's the overall – amount of the contract you need to look at. I mean, he just made $430 million. Wow. Yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty good deal for him. So let's get it but let's get into March Madison. Speaking of money, speaking of money, uh I was looking at an article and it was talking about the amount of money US employers will lose in productivity over the NCAA tournament because as you know, we're gonna be sitting there at our computers and if we're not checking scores, we may be checking into the like the March Madness Live website where you can actually watch games live on your computer. That no. puts up. Did you? No, never, never. And did you know? Just not that we would ever do this at our line of work, but they have introduced uh, the the boss button back again. I don't know if you remember the boss button. But there's a little button. Yeah. There's a little button you can click if your boss is coming by, and it'll turn to a screensaver so it doesn't show the game. And then as soon as they walk by, you can click it again and the games come back on. Hmm. So, but I read that March Madness could cost, and it's crazy. You can find a different number from every different site, but it said U.S. employers could, it could cost them $13.3 billion in lost productivity. That's a lot. That's That's a a lot lot of cash. That's a lot of money. And I was trying to look up how the hell do they, they calculate this out. And from what I gathered, it looked like about seventy-five million. They they just calculated about seventy-five million people are expected to spend an average of six hours total while at work, either watching the tournament, checking scores, or doing for the whole tournament like for the time of for the, the whole, whole tournament. tournament. Yeah. And then okay. it said that's believable. And going further, it said employers will spend an average of twenty-six minutes watching March Madness every day of the tournament. And then they calculated up what's the average hourly hour. Mm. average hourly salary of every American, and they calculated that out, and that's how they got the billion dollars, the $13.3 billion. But, Well, now, wait a minute. Did they say every American? I mean, everybody is going to spend six hours? I mean, because not everybody. I mean, uh, Tammy's not said, going to, you know? No, about 75 million people are expected to spend an average of six hours watching okay, the tournament. Okay, okay. Yeah, and there's like two, four billion or something in there. Yeah, okay. there's some crazy number. But it even what was funny is even even the people who don't care that much about the tournament, they're still losing the productivity in that because even even if you know say mom might not be watching the game at work, she still probably filled out her bracket. You no, know, mm-hmm. while she might have been at work, yep. she might be checking the scores while she's worked sometime. But then 
What was interesting is I also read this in that March Madness is a great time for employers to to build morale. And they were saying that some employers like to put up an extra TV and let people have extra time. I can encourage time to go watch the game because it does it does make four weeks where people are all at work having fun, talking to each other about games and not just upset that they're at work. They're just hanging out and talking. Yeah, and stuff like that. that. That is good for morale, for real. I mean, it builds friendships and you know connections and i wish they would do it at our office when i own my company i'm gonna do it by gosh that's gonna happen well when you own your company you just go ahead and you might have to make sure you're employing me but um well it may just be me and you (laughs) (laughs) and we'll have to do that between mowing yards and weed eating and stuff but so we just won't mow yards during this during spring right when spring comes up we don't we won't mow yards yeah i don't know thursday friday saturday sunday (laughs) yeah yeah all right so the favorite of the tournament is the duke blue devils and it's probably because the 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 man that blew his shoe what a month ago is back and better than ever zion williamson is just a beast did you see what he did in the uh acc tournament i didn't get to see any of those games i know he he hit the game winner i think over north carolina and they won by one but yeah he he was he was throwing up some pretty gaudy stats, wasn't he? Well, yeah, I think in the since returning in the three games in the ACC tournament, he scored twenty nine, thirty one, and twenty one, all while shooting a combined seventy seven percent from the floor. Oh, and he added ten rebounds per game, so he was getting a double double as well. I mean, just he is can he shoot, just in, is, can he shoot threes? Uh, he he'll shoot one every now and then, but if you watch his form he doesn't he doesn't look like a shooter i don't he's not a great shooter but he, every shot he ever takes is wide open because everyone's so afraid that he's just going to dunk all over him so, so he's not like ben simmons out there on the three-point line he will no he will he will, will, he will let one or two fly but no he's mostly going to do his damage all around the around the rim that's why i like in that north carolina game which is insane against north carolina where they won by one he scored 29 and shot 13 for 13 from the field i mean mm. That's a Duke North Carolina game. That is an intense game, and he didn't miss a single shot while shooting thirteen. That doesn't happen every day. That is just insane. Well, there is absolutely no doubt that he is a generational talent. I would say he's probably. I mean, he's the most exciting person to come out of college since at least Anthony Davis, and maybe since LeBron came into the NBA. Wouldn't you say? What's weird to me is the difference between Zion and LeBron. Get all the comparisons. But LeBron, when he was even yeah, – I know he didn't play college, but even like his senior year of high school, there was something about him where he still looked like a point guard. You know, he brought the ball up the court and could just like dribble through the team and still dunk on him. Like Zion, a lot of his dunks come via fast breaks or cuts or alley-oops. He doesn't do as much like point forward stuff that LeBron does. But still, just as effective. It's weird. He can do just about a little bit of everything. He can play center for you and get a bunch of blocks. He can play on the wing and he gets like – five steals he's uncanny on defense he cuts i mean he'll dunk all over you like you said it's not quite ben simmons he will shoot a three it's not like a sharpshooter at all he just has just a little bit of everybody's game and then mm. what's just wild is he's like 285 pounds he's gonna be yeah. he's gonna be the third heaviest guy in the nba he's already weighs more than like joel Embiid, who is a huge nba player and Zion's also on the fast break dunking on you it's just insane 
you know, I kind of have to wonder though a little bit that that weight, you know, does it wear on a person? I guess Charles Barkley carried, you know, he had a heavy frame, and and Charles Barkley was, wasn't wasn't touching the sky quite like Zion. Like Zion no, I just think, he wasn't as tall yeah. either. But you're right. There's got to be some. There's something to that, like you're saying. I know he's fine now, but it, to jump like he's jumping and coming down and and on those knees, and that's a lot of weight coming it's down. A lot of weight, man. all the time. Hell, a Nike shoe couldn't even hold that weight up. So I don't know uh, what. You just got to wonder if he's good, you know, because most of the longer term basketball players uh, are kind of thin and, you know, because you're right. That's shock absorption on your knees and ankles over and over again. Uh, Extra weight just adds extra stress. Did you see the game? The game I'm really excited about in the first round. And it, we're, we always, it's the go-to thing now. Everyone circles the, that 12-5 game, you know, because the mm-hmm. 12 upsets the 5. Well, we got us a real doozy on the opening day of the tournament where Marquette is playing Murray State, and you get the two top scores in the NCAA tournament with Marcus Howard and John Morant. That, could, that has all the makings to be one of those two guys just going back and forth and scoring a ton of points. Both of those are the the potential Kimba Walker guys of the tournament. And I'm I'm just pumped to watch that game. That is interesting. You you circled that and I, I did as well. And probably because we've talked about Ja Morant, but on this on this pod, but uh it starts at it says four thirty start time. But is that gonna be do you know is that Eastern? That, that'll probably be four thirty Eastern. Most of the brackets I think show Eastern time. That's what so, I had Thursday at three thirty central. Ah, three thirty is going to be hard for me to watch. Probably be that. That might be where you're losing uh, some of that productivity at work. Might be during some of that game. Well, it's possible. I may have to ease out and check on some things <laughs> about three that afternoon. We'll see. Go in early Friday morning. I um, wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you what's your your favorite either round or weekend of the tournament? Because some would say this first weekend of the tournament is just. There's games like nonstop, and that's the best weekend. But really, some of the best basketball you get might be later when some of these teams get eliminated. So I just want to throw it to you. What's your favorite either round or weekend of the NCAA tournament? I think it's next weekend. I think it's the middle weekend because you still got plenty of basketball. You know, the uh, you've had some upsets, certainly, but, you know, you've weeded out the people that don't belong. And there's going to be a few few teams that are in this that don't belong. Um and I just think that second weekend is great basketball. Now, the Final Four is great, too, but um, and I love it. But I think the second weekend is my favorite. But that second – I agree with you on the, the premise of that the Final Four is great, but there's just – you know, there's just four games. But that second weekend, while there's still like the Sweet 16, there's still enough games on where it seems like every time you think you might get up to go to the bathroom or go fix your drink or go get something to eat real quick, there's a game with five minutes left, and it's a one-point game. Like, oh, shit, yeah. now i got to watch the end of this one. And then yeah. as soon as that game ends, you're like, oh, now this one's you know eight minutes left, and they're coming down to the wire. And What would that be? That'd be like red zone NCAA or something. You, yeah. just, you know, you can't leave. It's just they're all in the red zone. There is it's, – it's crazy how it works. They stagger the games just right to where right as that one game ends, there's another game that's just – just close enough to the end, we're like, oh, now I gotta see how this one ends, and I gotta see how this one ends, and I got, and you just all of a sudden you've been sitting in your chair watching basketball for six hours on a Saturday, and you feel like you've done nothing. Well, but I and you're probably like me. I mean, I'm flipping between is it TNT, True TV, 
TBS, CBS, TBS, and 12 yeah. and CBS. Yeah. yeah. Every time, I mean, I've just got those four on speed dial, just bam, 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 bam. Well, see, I'm going to set it up a little, and I'm, I'm going to nerd out and put up the computer on, on the right of my TV. I got a little TV on the left and then my TV TV. So I'm going to try to have at least three games going at once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then you just keep, you, you keep the real game, whichever one's that you're most intrigued by on the big screen. And then you're just kind of, you know, adjusting the volumes around so you can check a little bit of all. But no, oh, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, I told, Thursday night, because I'm going to be doing some traveling, unfortunately, the next couple of weekends. But I'm telling you, Thursday night, I told Tammy already, just I'm going to engorge on basketball. That's <laughs> it. That's all I'm doing. She said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, you can talk to me. But I'm just, that's all I'm going to do is watch basketball. <laughs> Did you have anything else you want to touch on for the tournament before I wanted to get on a few other topics? Well, I found two or three other things that I wanted to mention. What what was the deal with the LSU coach? Why is he not with his team? Do you under, understand that situation? Well, it was part of that FBI wiretapping where he's apparently caught on a wiretap saying something along the lines of he had a really good offer for – and he, he didn't say a name or he didn't say a full name, but he said like the last name of a player that's on his team. And he said it was a hell of an offer. Hell of an offer. I don't see how you could turn that down. So basically, and that's all we know so far. But basically, the FBI says that he's guilty and he's been put on leave while they, they further investigated LSU. So, hmm. long story short, he's no longer coaching the team, and it's a pretty good team. And I'm with you. We talked about how good uh, you know Duke would be in the tournament when we were thinking Zion might not, Zion Williamson might not be playing. How good is LSU going to be playing if you don't have a coach? No, that's a, what, he's a good coach. Yeah. I was trying to look. Who are they matched up against in the first round? They got Yale. Yale. They got yeah. they got an Ivy League team who actually has an NBA player on their roster. I mean. Do they? Yeah. yeah and they're, that was one I circled just as a 13 over four because I just think there's so much. There's It's already drama circling your team and you don't have your coach. If for whatever reason they have a bad first half and they have to go back to the drawing board. Are you sure? I don't even know who the assistant coach is. I don't know if he's ready either. for that. And now you got There's a team. There's no way that doesn't affect you. I mean, that's got to affect him. Hell, um, we watched other- it. We watched it just last year with Arizona, where all of a sudden Arizona was losing, and it looked like uh, what's his name, DeAndre Ayton and Alonzo Trier, and them had already made their mind up. All right, NBA time. They had already turned their eyes to the NBA. As soon as that game ended, they were already talking about the lottery. So I just didn't. That- now, was the coach with them, or he was still with them? With he the was there, then, but right? they just, and that was with the coach was there. They just had all that drama circulant, uh, like and circling around, tore, tore the team up. So, um, so one other thing I, I saw that you probably did, but I, I also that I wanted to share. Do you know the last and only time there was one conference had three number one seeds was in tw- two thousand and nine. It was the Big East, Pitt, UConn, and Louisville. I think that's one of the time we had UConn in the in the Calcutta and won, actually. Um, but interestingly enough, none of those three are still in the Big East. That well, was just 2009. The Big East is like a totally different thing now when the ACC combined. and it, it looked, Yeah, and it's just like, totally different. I can't even tell you who all is in the Big East now. I don't know I, if I could name four Big East teams. And at one I can't point – and at one point, like you said, not that long ago, just 10 years ago, the Big East was, if not the best conference beast. in basketball, it was always right up there for the best conference it, in basketball. It certainly rivaled the ACC for sure as yeah. as the best conference in basketball. I, I just thought that was amazing that that was only 2009 when that happened. Did you, uh, speaking of 
things that don't happen very often. Duke, the number one overall seed, looks like they could end up with three guys on this year's team that could get drafted top five in the NBA with Zion, R.J. Barrett, and R.J. and uh, Cam Reddish. Can you can you name? I know I'm going off the top of the head. Can you name the last time a team did this? And I'll give you a hint. It was in the past. It was since 2000, so it's been in the more recent years, past 15 years. Three guys in the top five? Three guys in – we'll say – I think it was three guys in the top ten for this team. Well, I'm going to top five. First thing that comes to my mind is Kentucky a couple of those years. Didn't yeah. Kentucky have some amazing guys? That would be – that uh, probably – the logical guess is Kentucky because, you know, Cal Perry always gets those one-and-done guys. But the team it actually is is probably, to some people, might still be the best team ever in the NCAA tournament the year. Florida won back-to-back uh, titles with Horford, Joakim Noah, and Corey Brewer. They were all top ten draft picks the year after they won their second. Wow, Brewer. You know how much I used to like Brewer, and he never did turn out to be the player I thought he would be in the NBA. I think both of us, and I was uh, I was definitely younger, and maybe I was skewed my opinion on your opinion. Who knows? But I thought both, both of us thought Brewer was the best player on that team, and he was yeah. def- definitely he was the third among those three in the, in the NBA. Noah and Horford Definitely. have etched out a full career, and Brewer's kind of been a a travelman throughout the NBA. I mean, do you think Horford Horford's not Hall of Fame, is he? The M- basketball Hall of Fame's weird. A lot of teams get in, and I don't really they they don't have like an NBA Hall of Fame. They just have the basketball Hall of Fame. Right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Basketball Hall of Fame's weird. Horford probably makes it because now he has a full NBA career, and he has those Florida years. That those Florida years that those teams were. So good. They so, were good. So good. That was Billy Donovan, wasn't it? Yeah. Billy Donovan was the coach, and they were good. One back-to-back. Right? Yeah, one back-to-back. And one of the years they won was the year they beat uh, the Greg Oden-Mike Conley team at Ohio State. So they beat a, a damn good team that year. So, Wow. Mm. Yeah. So we'll see if, if Duke, we'll see if Duke ends up being as good as that team was. The, the difference in that team and this year's Duke's team is we got to see not only one, but they came back and played another year together. and. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, we are going to see Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, or Zion Williamson wear a Duke jersey again after this year. This is the final time you're going to see them in Duke blue. Hey, the next time they lose, they're gone. They are gone. <laughs> and, and I guess even if they don't lose, they're gone. You're right. They're gone. A matchup we really, we desperately need. Speaking of Duke, last thing before I, we, we move on to a different topic. Surely, you know, Duke wins, beats a 16 seed. But then the next round, if VCU and UCF play in the 8-9 game in that bracket, if UCF if, is to win, there's a guy on their team named Taco Fall who is like seven foot six. He's not really that great, but he's huge. He's seven foot six, big old black guy from – I don't know where he's from. He's from another country. But he's just yeah. giant and leads the, the NCAA in blocks. And I can only imagine what it's like if him and Zion Williamson meet at the rim I mean, only two. Oh, there's like one or two things happen. Either Zion dunks all over, dunks all over him, and breaks a seven foot six guy, or Zion gets stuffed for the first time. I would guess in his entire life. Ever? Yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. think. I don't think he's been met at the rim by anybody who could match him. So I, we we just as college mm. basketball fans, we just need that meeting at the rim between Taco Ball and Zion Williams. Well, I will look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> so we shall see. All right, moving on to a couple of other topics. We're not really hitting the uh, our normal best and worst of this weekend or of the past week since L's not on. 
But I did want to touch on one of the best things I saw from the, the previous week, and it's my man, Dirt, who just passed uh, Wilt Chamberlain on the all-time scoring list. And now he could pass – the next person he could pass would be Jordan, but that would mean he needs another year. He'd have to come back next year and average roughly 14 points a game. And as we've discussed, yeah. as we've discussed – 14 points a game would be tough. I don't even know if he could average 14 minutes a game next year. Yeah, so, I agree. So I think he's done climbing the list, but just what an accomplishment. I, I think when we look back eventually, Dirk's career is going to be one of those careers where I know as a Dallas fan, and I've loved Dirk, I'm a little biased, but he means a lot to what the NBA was. What What do you think looking back on Dirk's career? Well, I think you you hit on it. I you know I think we texted a little today, and that he he revolutionized. I mean, I think he came along at the right time, mm-hmm. but I think he revolutionized the game because he was the first seven footer that you better get out there and guard him on the three point line. I mean, you had to guard him all over the court, and that damn that what was it that uh, fall away one legged jumper that yep. he perfected that was about as unblockable as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's skyhook. I mean, it's uh, it's up there with most unstoppable plays in NBA history. I mean, there's there's the skyhook. Some people say uh, James Harden's step back nowadays is kind of rivaling that. Well, that but yeah, he steps back three times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, it, he it's debatable whether back. he travels or not when he does it. But when it's not really debatable, but yes, go ahead. When a seven footer is like Dirk is doing that fall away on one leg, I mean it's almost impossible to block, and it was money. I mean, just money. Money. I saw a few highlights, Kev, because we had talked about him, and and just man, he was so good. And you know, to watch him run, we've talked about now, it is a little painful. But man, he used to get up and down the court and think of how many games he's tied those or wrapped his ankles and you know put knee braces on and and ran up and down the court and wow what he's and he's a class class act i think when it's all said and done and someone will probably hell there might even be a book on this or a like a deep dive podcast between some you know i I could see zach lowe from espn doing a bit he's a big nba guy or even our my man bill simmons or something but i think when you look back at dallas and Dirk's tenure there, the way they, between when he first got there and it kind of introduced the NBA, like you said, to the stretch four, and Don Nelson created that team in 2006 that was going to be a lot of shooting and spacing the floor like me and you talk about. We've talked about millions of times. And then what Rick Carlisle did to advance that in 2011 where he beat a star-studded Heat team by putting around just a ton of space around one star that you had to guard and all of a sudden, they were just knocking down threes. And then what the Spurs, the Spurs did that better with better players around uh, Kawhi Leonard and different guys. And then now what the Warriors have done, I just think the NBA has changed. what They saw what the Mavericks did, and they were like, oh, we're going to do the same thing, except for they, the Warriors found a way to match it around five All-Stars and four Hall of Famers and all kinds of stuff. I, I just think when we look back, you're going to say these Dirk Mavericks teams kind of shaped what ended up being – the change in NBA and nowadays. Well, I think you're absolutely right because, I mean, he was not built like Carl Malone. You know, he wasn't going to go in there and, and overpower those. And, and that's what the NBA kind of was. When he when he started coming in, I think the NBA was a down-low, beat-em-up, bruising kind of league. And 
he he all of a sudden stretched the whole floor out, like you said, and and made that space happen, which now is what the complete game is about. I I'm with you. I think Duke uh, Duke uh, uh, Dirk. I think you did that earlier. You trying to yeah. say Dirk and said Duke. Uh, I mean, he completely is res- has a lot of responsibility for the way the game is played today. A lot, uh, a, a ton, and I yeah. Actually, when he came into the league, he came in at, as a seven foot shooter who couldn't bang, and they tried. Everyone told him he's going to have to play small forward because a big man just can't be a shooter. They have to be a banger. And that was finally Don Nelson's like, screw this. We're just going to put him at the four and make those big men come out and guard him. And then all of a sudden they realized they might have touched on some gold. And nowadays, hell, when do, we do, you don't even see very many back-to-basket guys. You might see one when you're watching a game. For the most part, those fours are stretching it and, and stepping out. And it, it, it's wild. Who are, the best, who are the best centers in the game? They're the best centers Embiid, in the game. Embiid's probably, I would say, the best But he's center. really a four. Uh, he's almost like he plays like a four. At times. I mean, he's a back to the basket, but he can shoot a three. And before he – now, what's crazy to me is now you never – like basically all seven-footers are trying to have some form of a jump shot. Hell, even Dwight Howard was trying to get a jump shot before he – I think he's actually still in the NBA somehow. But every, I think he may be. Every center now in like MB, like you're talking about, he shoots threes at a decent rate. And every you almost have to shoot a three. And at one point at one point in time, a four or five was like barred from shooting threes. You were told not to if you were caught outside the three point line, you were getting yeah. benched. Yeah. And now it's like you're not on an NBA roster if you can't shoot a three. It's just the game's totally changed. And I think it changed when forty one got in for the Dallas Mavericks back 20, 20 years ago. Can you believe I can't believe they're still playing in the NBA. It's wild. He's been in the NBA longer than some guys have been alive that are still there. No doubt. And and a couple of things I did, I, I read this article from, uh, and I want to give him credit, Tim McMahon of ESPN. Um, I didn't realize, I just started Googling Dirk Nowitzki, and his wife is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, I mean, is she a movie star? She looked familiar to me, but I didn't see her as anything other than Dirk's wife. Um, but she looked familiar. And I don't I was, know. I, honestly, anything. I was shocked. I saw her. Her ethnicity is Swedish. Now she's dark skin. Mm-hmm. You know, but she's darker skin than dirt. Um, and he is like. There was a picture of them with their kids out at a pool or whatever. And he looks like white pasty cracker boy. <laughs> you know, and I mean, she's got this beautiful sun kissed skin. Um, they aren't interesting. Anyway, her name's they, Janet Olson. They she's, are an interesting looking couple. She's not quite as tall as he is. Of course, <laughs> no one is, but. Hell, maybe she's six foot eight. I don't know. But um, the other thing I found, you know, there's only one seven footer ahead of him on all time NBA scoring. And it's Will. It's Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he just passed Will. Yeah, he just passed Will. He just passed Will. He's made 1,963 pointers. That was probably as of today or whatever. The only other two, two seven footers in the top 10 NBA scoring have made two. Two? Two, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar made one, and Shaq made one. <laughs> I wouldn't all. have guessed Shaq ever made one. It doesn't surprise me that Shaq shot either. one, though. <laughs> no, no. And one other fun fact about Dirk, uh, he scored during, during his career, he scored 5,668 mid-range points. Based from what Tim McMahon said, that was the most in the NBA over his career. Nobody scored more mid-range points than Dirk Nowitzki over the course of his career. I thought that was really incredible. And, really incredible. And what's fun, just to tie a, a, a bow on all this, and what I love, I, this past this final year has not been 
a great year for Dirk as far as, you know, what he's done in his career. His productivity is way down because, he, again, he is 40 years old and those knees have a lot of miles on him. But to see, to him, for him to get to play on the Mavericks where Luca's the young guy and kind of uh, grooming Luca. And then for them to trade for Porzingis, it kind of made it go full, full circle because without Dirk, Porzingis, there might not be a Porzingis. He is like a Dirk remade except for probably more athletic. But he's a seven-footer. He can shoot from another country who, when he was coming in, a lot of people, the knock on him was, oh, he's not tough enough. He's not tough enough. He's one of those skinny kids from from, from Europe. And the, the the people that liked him were like, yeah, well, Dirk made it, so Porzingis can make it. And Porzingis has even said he looks up to Dirk. And then to see them on the same roster, it's just so cool. Yeah. No, it is cool. I saw a picture of that today, too, looking at some stuff for Dirk. And, you know, you got to wonder – I, I want him to retire. I know he hasn't said this is his last year. And I, to me, I don't know him, but I think what I know of him, that's just like him. He doesn't want to draw attention to himself. He wants to just he'll, – he'll just leave when he leaves. You know, the best way to leave a party is not say goodbye to everybody. Yeah. It's just slip out. The good old Irish goodbye, um, just slip out of there. Yeah, just slip out. Um, but you could see him, I mean, with Luca, you know, being such a, a young stud and, you know, foreign, you know. Right. And then uh, uh, Porzingis. Porzingis, you'd think Dirk might want to hang around another year. Maybe he could hang around as an assistant coach or something. Well, I think but. from what I've heard through Dirk is, or like from different times where he's been on different podcasts or radio interviews and, and articles, I think he's got a, a career with the Dallas Mavericks past his playing career. Mark Cuban has pretty much said he's a Dallas Maverick for life. And if he wants to be yeah. – some sort of player development coach or just mentor. He's going to be collecting paychecks from the Mavericks. And actually what I can't wait for it. And I know you'd be excited for this. So there's rumors out there that Mark Cuban has been and Dirk have had guys following him or he's kind of had a camera crew kind of following around for a while now. And there's going to be eventually this big Dirk Dallas documentary. And it might be kind of shaping how, the game changed from when Dirk came in. I, there's some big thing going on that Mark Cuban's hmm. kind of funding. It's rumor mill. It, and and as, as the conspiracy out there is that the reason Dirk keeps taking pay cuts is because Mark Cuban's also funding for this whole documentary that Dirk's going to end up profiting on further down or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But I do think he's going to be a Maverick for life. And I, you're totally right. There's a difference between Dirk and D Wade where I think D Wade wanted this final year, one last ride, share jerseys, get a standing ovation at every stadium. And Dirk really – I don't know if you remember seeing it was a couple of weeks back. Uh, they were playing the Clippers in L.A., and it was going to be his last time in Staples mm-hmm. Center. And it was a really classy move by old Doc Rivers to stop the sure game. Was. And he was like, look here, this is this guy – and he grabbed the mic and was like, y'all give this guy a standing ovation. He is an NBA legend. And they showed Dirk, and the, the crowd went wild – or I cheered for him. And Dirk almost – like he looked – physically moved i don't it didn't look like he was going to cry but I, he he clearly looked like man that it just it, it really hit him and i just well, don't think dirk likes all that attention on him and he appreciates it but I, I could just see him going yeah okay after the final game when he goes to the press conference he'll go okay by the way i'm done i retire peace out and then and then we might not see him for six months or like kind of like what tim duncan did where all of a sudden they retire and they're just gone, and you don't know where they're at. They, you don't hear from them, and then he might surface back around. But I just don't think he likes wow. all the, the circus. But, yeah, that moment Doc Rivers did at L.A. was really, really cool. was super cool, super cool. And since you brought that up, one last thing. I saw a lot of the Twitter 
uh, pitchers, you know, Luca and him and, uh, you know, uh, I think LeBron sent something out. Congratulations, big fella. And they all had hashtag MFFL. What is that? What is MFFL? It's the it's the acronym for Mavs fan for life. So it's interesting okay. that some of them, I, a lot of people, I think a lot of uh, other, and he, there was a lot of praise around the NBA world. Like people, people, it's not like his greatness goes unnoticed by basketball fans. We're not trying to say we're the only ones that noticed this because I mean, the All Stars all around the league were congratulating him, and then it is funny them putting MFFL because I think it's kind of them saying. I'm almost a Mavs fan because of you, Dirk. I've been watching your career. Yeah. It's just cool. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm glad you told me that because I thought it was like Maverick for effing life yeah. or something. I didn't know. I thought, wow, what? That's pretty wild. It's, it's okay. Mavs fan for life. And then it turned into a hashtag and now it's a big Mavs thing. They do it all over the stadium. If, you ever, when, if you'll notice up around those stands and they'll sell shirts that say MFFLs and stuff like that. So it, yeah, at, right. at first glance, it does look like some form of mf in there. You're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Well, shout out to freaking Dirk. I mean, I he's a classy guy. I would sure love to have a beer with him someday. I think he's just a cool, really cool guy. Maybe, maybe when you when you own your business and we're able to watch the, the March Madness games and, and once that time happens, maybe you can uh, call Dirk up and, and see if he'll come hang out at the office for one day while we're watching games. <laughs> maybe when we're – when we're mowing his yard, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be cutting his grass and we'll high five him when we leave. <laughs> All right. So as some of the listeners may know, uh, last week we mentioned that we were going to be making a trip to Vegas and I don't know yet. Pops has, has Harris casino let you know if they're naming a wing after you yet, after all the money that we contributed to, to them. Well, uh, I know that they're putting a plaque up in, uh, in a, near the Mississippi stud table. They're going to put a plaque up. This is, the Lutheringers left a lot of money here. Um, I don't know if they completely got the plans for the wing yet. but <laughs> They're still working that. I know because yeah. I thought between our room, with me and uh, our buddies, we, we definitely lost our lost our asses while we were in Vegas. And then I know you and Tammy made a sizable con- contribution to the, the Harris uh, funds. We did. I haven't even seen a bill yet for the room. I think <laughs> perhaps they're thinking about they're thinking about copping it for all the money I lost. There, well, the, I, you might so, get an email coming up soon. It's like, hey, are you interested? If you come back this weekend, we'll give you the room for free and, and cop that last free. one. Yeah, we'll pay for the plane ride. We'll pay for the plane ride out here. Just come on. Spe- speaking of planes, I, you had a, an interesting thought while you were on the plane. I know we've had a few conversations about bathrooms and etiquettes and different things. What was your interesting, I want you to share your thought with, with the listeners about airplanes and bathrooms. Well, I, I don't know if I'm just super intrigued with bathrooms, <laughs> but it seems like I talk about them a lot. Um, but, you know, so I was, had to get up and use the facilities while I'm riding on the plane. And, you know, you go in there and you, when you push the button to flush, it just goes like, you know, it just, <laughs> I mean, it, it just like, you know, it's like a suction. It's like you opened a window to the outside right. or something. It does seem like that, yeah. And so I, yeah, so I was kind of wondering, well, we're 30,000 feet. I wonder if, you know, does it that's just, just going does out it just get flushed out and, and someone's getting a, yeah. when you feel a little drip, that might be someone's feet that's dripping on you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I thought, well, I mean, it probably would evaporate before it gets to the ground anyway. But I mean, what if you do the other thing, you know, and anyway... <laughs> so I did a little research to find out how all that worked. And, and in fact, uh, they don't 
at least on purpose, put that stuff into the atmosphere. Uh, back in the day, they started using this stuff called Anatech, and it was a blue deodorizing gel. And I've, I, I know I've seen it before. And there was a container that all the waste would go into, and this disinfectant would stabilize it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the problem was is these receptacles would leak, and it would leak out and get to the outer edge of the plane, the wall, and it would freeze. And then as they start descending, because, you know, at 30,000 yeah. feet, it's like 20 below or whatever. But as they start descending, this stuff starts melting <laughs> and it would, I mean, there are actual cases of blue turds landing <laughs> on cars <laughs> and things near airports. I mean, this, this really happened. I mean, this is the truth. Okay. True story. Now, in 1975, though, a man named J- James Kemper designed, designed the modern aircraft toilet. So now what we use, what you would have used if you were there, which I did, there's a small, uh, there's a trap door in it, obviously, mm-hmm. on a nod skid surface. So nothing will stick to it, thank God. <laughs> yeah. And and when you flush, it goes into a, a vacuumed container because, you know, as I, I don't have to do the sound effect again, but it really... Oh, it does, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you when you do that. So it sucks it into that thing and it holds it there till it gets to the ground. Interestingly enough, on a long, like over LA, maybe to New York flight, the toilet gets used about a thousand times, which works out to about 230 gallons of waste that has to be taken care on of once, when the plane lands. On one single flight? On one single long haul flight. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like a long international flight. And uh, then what happens is when they get on the ground, what they call a honey truck comes <laughs> and picks up the waste and just distributes it in the local sewer, just in the in the sewer system. But I and, thought that. And now was you know, you know that actually. I mean, this is actually I've been thinking about this, and I think this just gave birth to a new segment that we are we are going to introduce to the JPP pot, and it's going to be things you probably haven't thought this much about. And because I, ha- I have a few where it's kind of you thought about it, but then you never really did the research. And I think LJ would be perfect for these because there's going to be a bunch of random ones where he'll pop on and tell you about how it, and it kind of is like a Kevin, explain it to Kevin, except for just how, yeah. how things work. Yeah. And it's something where we use it all the time and just haven't thought about it. Because one, I bet a lot of people have had similar thoughts while on a plane, like, you know, I wonder where that water goes. And then you land in between boarding and all the issues and, and waiting to get your flight and all that blah 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 you forget about it and you don't what we do here at the jvp pod is we actually we, we remember and we go google it out and we go figure it out for you <laughs> we'll tell you what that blue thing that hit your windshield was by the airport that was really a blue turd yep. it was called anatech is what was surrounding it and to give credit where it's due i'm not the first to think of this obviously because i got most of my information from reader's digest so, so there had been an article in reader's digest about this very thing <laughs> question yeah. on we've mentioned a few times speaking of planes a few times about etiquette different on different things what's your thoughts on on planes and can you or can you not lean back the seat do you lean back your seat? Um, I will only do it if the person in front of me does, because I feel like I, I know when they do on me, it's imposing in my space. You don't have much space to begin with. So when somebody leans back on me, I'm going to go ahead and lean back on the person. Behind but it's not the person behind you's fault don't. that the person in front of you leaned back. Tough titty. Tough I, mean, titty. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have much room and I got to do something. And, and while you're at it, I have one more thought I want to share. Yeah. So, 
I was on the aisle seat coming back from Vegas. Okay. And there's a guy in the middle seat, a, a fairly big, big fella. And then some, another guy in the seat by the window. Well, I understand that the guy in the middle seat probably should get both armrest, you know, cause I mean, he's got to yeah. deal with a lot, but I mean, he was just all spread out. Like he was just like, I was in his way and it, about got on my damn nerves. I about said something. He was a pretty big guy. Might have gotten ugly, but <laughs> well, you know what is what is, you know. I would say polite. Let me use the armrest every now. And I would then, say the, you know? the proper. I, I think the, the unwritten rule on a plane is the person on the person on the middle gets both armchairs or arm arm seat or whatever armrest arm in the middle, yeah. and then you on the aisle get the one on your right, and the one in the window has the window to the left. And I think you just concede that. Now, I don't want them going like their arm going over the armrest and now nudging me and bumping me. But I'll, I'll concede. I was on the aisle, too, and I'll concede that armrest because I can also put my foot out and have a little more leg room or I have this armrest. So I think the proper way to do it is that middle person, since they're kind of stuck in the middle, they I concede they get both armrests. That's just my I, personal I'm opinion. totally with you on that. I'm totally in agreement with but you. I but I do have my bubble. As- I do have my personal space. At- well, and he was in my bubble. That's what I'm saying. He was kind of over the armrest. And I mean, I almost got a crick in my back kind of sitting over. And I just well, and dealt with it. That does kind of annoy me. I mean, we're, no no one's just comfortable on a plane. Because it is. It's You're sitting there for three hours and it's a tight area. At least if you're in a car, like if you're in the backseat of a car, there's enough room where you can kind of at least stretch, like lean back and stretch your arms out or something. On a plane, it's, it's tight. So I think... No matter who you are, even if you are in the middle, I do think it's worth being considerate of everybody on the plane because no one's just comfortable. So don't just be the asshole who's just like, all right, well, we're all going to be uncomfortable, so I'm just going to go ahead and be real uncomfortable and get on everyone's nerves. And if you don't make someone have to tell you to get out of their bubble, that's that's my thing. Just don't just try not to intrude on people's space because we're all uncomfortable. Well, and I guess I'm going to double down on this guy because so then (laughs) – I, I, I get up, you know, because I got my bag in the overhead bin. So I get up, you know, I'm on the aisle. So I get up immediately as soon as the thing gets up and partially so that he can relax and have some room. And I kind of want to stand up because I've been sitting. Well, he jumps up and kind of bumps me out of the way so he can get his shit out of the overhead bin and be ready to go out of the plane. And I'm like, damn. I get, anno- I know? get annoyed by the people that jump up too fast. You know, like if like I was in the back of the plane – on my, on my way back from Vegas. And if you're on the back, there's a lot of people that got to get off before we're even going to get up. I mean, there's just some True. people, I, I think it's, it's annoying to me when everyone gets up and grabs their bag and now we're all just standing in the middle. Like what? I, but then I do get it. Like you want to get your bag. So when it's time and it's ready, you, you can just walk right out. You don't have to get some out of the bin, but I'm a firm believer and I'm just going to sit there and wait until everyone else starts going out. And then I actually see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, I actually see that, I'm almost ready to get up. Then I'll try to get up and grab my stuff. I I just don't think there should be – people always rush to get up, and then you know we're going to have to sit there for 10 minutes and wait. So that's just my personal. Well, and I, I will say this. I get up – if I'm on the aisle especially, I get up as soon as the seatbelt thing goes off just because I want to stand up. I'm just kind of tired of sitting, you know. So – but, I mean, I – I don't try to impose on anybody, but you're right. There's some etiquette that we all need to practice on a plane, and most people do. And this guy wasn't you know, that bad, but he was a little bullish. You know what you it know. boils down to? And it's 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 a lift it's a lift uh, saying here. Just don't be a dick. Just be courteous. Don't be a dick. Just be courteous. We're all on there for three hours. We're stuck here. 
Just try to think about the person next to you. It's not that hard. That's yeah. the moral Don't story. Don't be a dick. That's a good saying. I wonder where that came from. <laughs> That's a good one. Speaking of the plane, uh, before we get out of here, I know our our first stop may or may not have been once we landed in Vegas. Y'all were already there, and y'all picked us up at the airport. And our first stop may or may not have been a dispensary in Las Vegas, which is 100% legal. And we may or may not have bought True. more than one can consume in three days as a group. <laughs> and so some may or may not have, may have had to been taken back on the plane. So I just want to ask you, I heard there might've been a little trouble with your flight back. So can you just explain what happened on the way back from Vegas? Well, uh, as we said, I may or may not have had some contraband oh, oh, in my allegedly, luggage. Allegedly, allegedly. There, I don't know. It's hard to say one way or another. Uh, but when I get up to go through security, um, they check my ticket. And instead of saying my first and last name, it says my first name twice. And that's not, so that's, and says, your name's not Lifford Lifford. It's not Lifford Lifford. So instead of, you know, Lifford Luthringer, it says Lifford Lifford. And I, you know, didn't think anything about it. I'm going home and the lady stops me and says, uh, this doesn't match your ID. And I said, uh, okay, well. And she calls her supervisor over there and her supervisor comes over and says, sir, I'm sorry, we can't let you on the plane. I said, dude, I got to get home. I mean, I'm going home. <laughs> I've, I've already flown out here. What do you want me to do? He said, well, you're going to have to go talk to American Airlines. So I have to walk, you know, all the way up to the ticketing right. desk. You know what yeah. I'm saying? In the airport, way back to the ticketing desk. And I go back there and I talk to the supervisor at American Airlines and explain the problem. And she gets to look in and she says, I'm sorry, I can't change it. And I said, what's up? She said, well, you've already flown on this ticket. And I can't change it in the middle of the ticket. And I said, so the, well, how so am just, I supposed to get back on the plane? So just what the hell you know, am, what, I am I supposed to do? Am I stuck? What am I supposed to do? Am I just stuck in Vegas? And I've lost too much. I don't, <laughs> yeah. have, money. I don't have enough money to stay out here anymore. Although the Harris may and be giving says, you a complimentary room if you had to. I bet you could get a room. <laughs> Could be. Of course, I couldn't have yeah. eaten. But so so anyway, she she prints me a ticket and handwrites no ID on my ticket. And I said, so what am I? She said, when you go back, just don't show your ID. So what? Just I said, like, you mean don't pull it out of my like pocket? You just just tell them I don't, I lost my ID. <laughs> I lost my ID. So she's telling you she's telling you. To lie to them and say, I lost my idea. I don't the, have it. The supervisor for American Airlines is telling me, lie to the TSA and tell them you forgot your ID <laughs> okay. or you lost your ID. I'm going, okay. I said, and I even asked her, I said, is there anybody uh, that I can talk to? Do you have a supervisor? She goes, I am a supervisor. <laughs> you're said, you're well, talking okay. to him, buddy. So now I carry, of course, I'm checking my bag. I mean, I'm not checking it. I'm carrying it on the plane. Mm -hmm. It's a small bag which may or may not have had, you know, illicit right. drugs in it. Possibly. <laughs> we it's, it's un um, we're unable to tell at this point. So I go back, find the same supervisor, and I kind of tell him my, my conundrum. He was a really nice guy. And I said, look, I, they told me to tell you I don't have my ID. I know you've seen it, but what can we do? He makes a couple of phone calls. He goes, well, I tell you what, we're, we're going to get you through a hard search. So wait. We're going to have to do I, a body search So can you. I back up? You had to tell the guy that's already actually seen your ID that you – don't have your ID. Don't have my ID. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, the same guy. So he makes a call and now he so, says a, hard, a, what, a body search? What would you say? He says, you're going to have to go through a hard search, okay. but we'll get you on the plane. And I'm thinking, a, a hard Wait search. Wait a minute. Uh, there, there may or may not be. Uh, I, 
there may or may not be things in my bag that I wouldn't want the TSA just to. You'd look rather at, you'd you know? rather it just go through without getting searched. Well, just there may or may not have been some gummy bears in there, and I don't know how well they were they were packed. And I didn't anyway. So I go there, and I mean, Kevin, I got felt up. I mean, the guy told me I'm going to use the back of my hand, but I mean, he touched me on the ding ding everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And then they opened my bag, and I mean, they removed the clothes, and they're looking through it, and I see the little, I see a, a package in there. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm done. I don't know. And the guy just, he just puts my stuff back in the bag. He goes, thank you, sir. Have a nice flight. I mean, there's absolutely <laughs> no off. way he just overlooked. I mean, he had, he saw it. He just decided. He had to have, had to have. There's just no way. He, and I think on the back of the gummy bear, it may or may not have said THC <laughs> on it. I mean, there was just, there's no doubt this is not the child's candy. It, uh, I'm, so I'm going to say the, the guy had to have, he, he saw it and just thought, this poor guy's already been through enough. And he didn't bring any of this on himself. <laughs> it was actually some of our screws by letting him get on the plane the first time with the wrong ticket. So we're just going to let him go. It truly was. Yeah. It truly was TSA's accident because they shouldn't have let me on in the first place. But. Yeah, that could have went another you way. Know what? So, and you I'm, know what? You know what? Moral of the story, it's funny. This all circles back. So if you would have been a dick when you couldn't get on the plane and started raising the hell and acting all like, I, and not just been cool, calm, and trying to go, well, what do I do now? If you'd have just been an asshole and started raising your voice and stuff, you probably still would have eventually got on the plane, but then they wouldn't have been, they probably wouldn't have been as nice when they were searching your bag. And you might, and that might have been not. a bigger hang up than your ID problem. So. You know, it might have been. And interesting now that you'd say that, because I didn't even think about that at the time, that the fact that I better be nice. I was just nice to begin well, because with, these people, I, I think they already have a tough job and they deal with a ton of people all day long. Just don't start. They were just trying to do their job. Yeah. They were just trying to do their job. You know, it wasn't necessarily their fault. I think if you keep cool with was, them and ugh. you keep a decent attitude, they're going to try to help you and work this thing out. And like this guy did. He went through your bag. He probably, he had to see it. And he was like, you know what? This dude's been cool. We're just going to let him go. Let him go home. Just let him go home. Well, and that's why I went to the same guy, because even though he had seen my ID and knew I wouldn't, I mean, I I thought I could go lie to a different TSA agent, you know, but I thought this guy was really cool. I'm going to go tell him my conundrum. And he did. He, he seriously helped me get through the process. Let, he let the boy go home. Thank God. (laughs) Well, I'm happy you were able to get home. I'm happy we, we were all able to get home and it was we made it through the trip. We made it through the trip alive, but a lot less money in our bank accounts. And, you know, yep. it happens in Vegas, though. It, it, we'll leave it there. But let's wrap, we'll let's wrap this there. sucker up. Uh, well, now we have time for this next week. We can recover from our trip from Vegas and try to uh, uh, maybe if you want to go, you, you could still go gamble on some games. Go, go join uh, my bookie. Put in the promo code JPP. Go gamble on some March Madness games. You get fifty percent off your, uh, or you'll get a fifty percent of your deposit, so you get some extra money. Just tell them you're a listener of the JPP pod. And uh, Dad, I guess it's time we just need to go get ready. You know, I prepare yourself physically and mentally to sit on your couch for a full weekend for four days and just gorge, gorge some basketball, baby. Well, I'm gonna get to do it Thursday, but unfortunately, I will be out this weekend, so. It, it, you know, going to Oakland, going to the horse races. Oh, you're, it's, it's a poor guy. Poor Liff. He's got. He know. went to Vegas last week, and now he's got to go to Oakland. 
Hell, I might need to loan you some money after all these trips. I'm telling you, maybe I'll call our friend John. You know, John yeah. John and his dad, they, they like horses. Maybe they'll give me a tip yeah, you or need, You need to win some money. You're due to win some. So I am due. You're right. All right. Well, we will sign off on that note. Be sure to check us out next weekend. If you haven't already, if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, sign up for the JPP podcast and see if you can beat us. If you win, you can come on the podcast and tell us how much smarter you are than than us which you you probably are you probably will beat us so let's just go and sign up and for another week of the jvb pod peace out pops i'll let you later all right buddy peace out